the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, powerful stories than The Athletic. Download that app, personalize it with your favorite teams, favorite leagues, and get ad free exclusive contra at your fingertips. For all of this and plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off the first year of your subscription. My name is Mike Giannetti. It's a football show, as you might imagine. Not too Super Bowl-y. I've got some Super Bowl stuff on the back end. Um, some of the players that you're going to be watching Sunday who may need new contracts in the next couple of weeks. Kind of break down some valuations for those guys. And some quick prop bets at the back end of this. Some things I've thought of, I've found where my head is in terms of uh, over-under, some, some uh, you know, running backs, some wide receivers, things like that. That's the back end of the show. Top of the show, I'm steering away from the Super Bowl and going more NFL offseason to get things going, but not so much the, uh, you know, what, what are the Green Bay Packers going to look like? I'm going way more surfacey, something I don't get to do too much. I have fun with this one. It's called Bold Predictions. Bold NFL offseason predictions all of which are certainly not going to happen, but I had fun putting them together. Look, some of these have a little bit of logic to them. You know, most of them are just fun, big names that you know, generally don't move in the NFL, but maybe they will. Maybe they will. I've got 10 bold predictions that Cousin Dan and I kind of break down and say, this is crazy, this might happen. Holy cow, this actually might happen. Most of it is, you're crazy. Stop writing things down on paper. But that's, that's up first. Super Bowl props and Super Bowl possible extension candidates at the back end of the show. All right, joined by cousin Dan. Dan, it's uh, Super Bowl week, and I'm sick of all the content, so I really switched it up here. Here's what I did. I thought big. I thought huge names. I thought a little bit of logic, and I'm thinking selfishly about an exciting offseason. Ten bold predictions for the upcoming NFL offseason. I want you to rate them. I want you to destroy them. I want you to tell me I'm crazy, and maybe one or two of these actually make a little bit of sense to you, all right? <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's start with, with Green Bay. Um, I'm going to give you my take, well, my bold prediction, and then I actually want to talk about this one with you because I don't think we, we've done that too much. Uh, my bold prediction for this Green Bay situation is that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are traded simultaneously to the Denver Broncos for four picks, Jerry, Judy, and Drew Locke. Initial reaction. <laughs> I initially, I did think this was a pretty crazy package um, for those two, but uh, sorry, let me back up. I, I actually, although it seems kind of crazy to have them both go in the same deal, I do think that there is some legitimacy to that. It yeah. sounds like both sides, um, sorry, both Rogers and Adams are sort of looking that route as well. So I don't think that part of it is as crazy as some might think. Um is it too much but, for Denver to give up, though? Two firsts, two seconds, you know, a stud, high-value wide receiver, and, you know, I guess a throw-in quarterback at that point? Considering where they are as a team, I really don't think so. Um, yeah. I, I did – my gut reaction was that the price tag was a little bit high in terms of the pick value when you are adding in those two other players. But um, in general, no, I, I honestly don't think it's too much. Um, the, the Broncos seem the, – that roster seems like it's ready to win, and I, I don't – I don't, I wouldn't blame them if they went for it um, with, you know, with the players and that draft capital. So yeah, the, there's two problems that I see with this. Um, a, you're giving up the draft capital, which that's difficult. 
but the Rams have certainly showed it's possible. And B, and this is something many of these other teams haven't had to deal with, with a move like this. You got to pay $175 million guaranteed right off the top. Like literally as soon as this thing happens, it's gonna, you're going to have to restructure both these contracts, obviously, um, unless you allow you know, Devontae Adams to stay in that franchise tag for 2022, which is risky business. But it, it's a big pill. It's probably too big for any team. This is the one team that I could see doing it because this is the, this is the team that Rodgers makes the most sense for, in my opinion. And I can't imagine these two breaking up. I just can't. That's why uh, 51% of me still thinks they stay in Green Bay, even though, Dan, and here's, I'd like your thoughts on this, even though it doesn't make any business sense anymore to me. It's purely football to keep these guys in Green Bay. Everything else about their cap situation, their future financials that I've done deep dives on says, it's time. You got to do it. You got to get the draft picks right now. You got to reset some of these positions and you got to just push, you know, forge forward with Jordan Love or, or player X at this point. Um, thoughts there? Are, are you leaning in one direction? No, I, I think I think it's a perfect time for Green Bay to reset. And I think the writing is on the wall that um, maybe it's it's time for both of those guys to move on as well. So um, I, I, I do agree with your point that the most likely scenario of them staying together is in Green Bay. Obviously, it's kind of threading a needle to try and get them on the same team anywhere because of the financial ramifications you just touched on. But um, see, the only yeah. the only way Devonta Adams remains a Packer, in my opinion, is is one of two things: either Rodgers comes back, and then there may be some flexibility with his contract and Adams, or you go absolute top shelf market contract to keep Devonta Adams without Aaron Rodgers. Which that's dumb for me. That's dumb. <laughs> either reset most of this, most of these things, uh, you know, defense and offense, or rip the bandit off and trade them both. So I, I, I just think, you know, Devontae Adams is thirty, Aaron Rodgers is thirty-seven. If you can get this kind of draft package back for these guys right now, you have to do it, in my opinion. I mean, get younger, get cheaper, and do it via the draft pick. So I, I'm with you. I think this is a possible route. This is probably the least bold prediction I have on the sheet. <laughs> Um, this one actually has more logic than, than craziness, in my opinion. Let's go to the next one. We're going with two very uh, polarizing teams. I, I do think the Patriots make some sort of move this offseason. It feels like, all right, we've just gone through the iteration where they now realize what they have in the quarterback. They did lose an offensive coordinator, but that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, they're going to continue ticking. That system is a well-oiled machine. So Mac Jones needs weapons now. I mean, they're going to lose Harry. I don't know what the running back situation is going to look like next year. That sort of was inconsistent. But I think it's time to put a, a top-fledged wide receiver on this roster. And you can do that via the draft. But I think they've got defensive miles to feed in that regard and offensive line. So I'm projecting Amari Cooper and a second-round pick from Dallas to the Patriots for the rights to cornerback J.C. Jackson, who I believe will be franchise-tagged for the purpose of trading him. I think I, I first of all I actually like I like the deal itself um and I like the players involved. I if it's not Amari Cooper, I think it's pretty obvious the Patriots will be looking for um sure. a, a top wide receiver if not two this offseason. Um if it's whether it's him, I, I know there's a number of free agents um that that might fit well there. Right. Um but yeah, I, I honestly Mike I like I like 
I like this one quite a bit because in Dallas, it's pretty obviously it's pretty obvious they have some depth at wide receiver and their defense needs to improve. So I, I have no issues with this one. All right. Okay. Um, I agree that some form of wide receiver is coming. It may not be Cooper. Cooper might be, you know, I don't have the best sense on how wide receiver fit with this Patriots roster because they can pretty much put anybody in this role. But he seems Brandon Cooks to me. He seems like that kind of home run hitter at, at times that they can use to complement some of these smaller free agent acquisitions they made last year. But I've got a bunch of more wide receivers on this bold predictions list that maybe we can slot into that role later. All right, let's go back to quarterbacks. Bold prediction number three, the San Francisco 49ers trade quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo to the Buccaneers for a second and a third. The team shouldn't surprise you. That's been, I think that's a betting odds favorite right now. But is a second and a third round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo too much in your opinion? Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, to back up, I don't know. I, I understand they're the betting odds favorite. Yeah. I don't really know if I love this as a matchup because Jimmy G seems more like a quarterback that needs a really good supporting cast. And we're kind of not really sure what is going to be there next year beyond Mike Evans, really. Right. I mean, so if, if, if he's going there with limited weapons post Tom Brady, I I don't, I don't know if I love the mat, the, you know, the match there. Um, In terms of compensation, I don't think it's far off. I, I just don't know if, a team like the Bucks, where they are right now. I mean, the roster is still loaded in, in some spots, but I, I think there's a lot of um, fluidity to their situation. Okay. Right now. All right. I'll push back a little bit. And, and so the reason for the high compensation coming back is I'm assuming there's going to be a bit of a bidding reward for him. And that's crazy because I know not a lot of people on the surface like Jimmy Garoppolo as a franchise quarterback. I'm, I'm not considering this as his next destination for life. Uh, he's a bridge guy. Uh, he was in San Francisco, clearly. I mean, it was a long bridge, but he was never the guy there. He was the guy for now until we can figure out a better option, which is what they've done now, uh, you know, we think. That's going to be the next stop. So whether that's a bridge for Tampa Bay to get through this roster that is paid, uh, there's quite a bit of def- you know, defensive miles that were paid last year, offensive linemen that are paid. So he's got experience, maybe even experience with this type of system based on his past. So I... The team doesn't scare me too much because they can always go and bring back a Godwin on a high price tag, things like that. Um, but I think Pittsburgh gets involved, Dan. I think Washington gets involved for Garoppolo, maybe even Carolina. So you're going to have to probably push a little higher than you want to on this trade compensation. Uh, if it's the Steelers, and I have this note at the bottom of my prediction, if it is the Steelers, you bring him in, but you, you don't pay him. And that's another option you have with Garoppolo. You can pay, you can go one for 25, restructure that for cap purposes, and just see what you have for one year. There's no need to go crazy with Jimmy Garoppolo um, outside of maybe overpaying with the draft pick. So I, I think he's kind of low risk as an option for a few of these teams. And if you have to overpay a little bit to bring him in the door, I think that's what's going to happen. So I, I just look at him. I, I look at Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay similarly, right? They have, they have big contracts in certain instances, and they have some weapons. They do. I mean, Dan, they could bring back Fournette at six a year. They could bring back Godwin at 18 a year. That's not going to damage their cap, you know? Um, So they could easily round into form for a quarterback like Garoppolo, but I'm not sure it's it's in their cards. You're right. You're, You're not wrong in thinking they could be going backwards, not forwards at this point. Right. But, but through your, your perspective of a bridge, deal they think their roster can still compete i i I wasn't thinking along those lines so much i do agree with that 
Um, either way, I mean, the public perception on Garoppolo is all over the map. So whoever, wherever he goes, the melts will be, will be huge. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. And, And by the way, I think we learned from like the Alex Smith situation, right? There's no need to go four years, 120 million on this quarterback yet. Let's just see what we have. See if it's a fit. Uh, he's already made his money in Garoppolo, so you can slow play this process. All right, speaking of which, I've, I've got a release for you on this one. Ready? This one's probably not super bold, but I bet the, the, the way it gets done is somewhat bold, right? I, I think the Saints have to outright release Michael Thomas. I don't think there's going to be a single trade offer for him, Dan. Do you agree with that? Quite honestly, I would defer to you because I know the inner workings of this is why the situation, the same situation, all of the, all of those factors is probably sure. why you threw this out there. So um, I, I don't disagree with that. I think he has trade value. It's just, you know, are the are other teams going to see that the Saints are in a tough situation and, and feel that they don't really need to to spend assets to get him when they will go, bud. you got they, it. <laughs> right. They might need to just release him anyway. So yeah, I, I don't have an issue with this one. I mean, it might, yeah, people who are not paying attention to the financial situation surrounding that team might, might. That's right. It's make, not the contract might, that scares me. It's, it's that I'm waiting for the saints to have to implode their own roster again, which they did last year. You know, three, four guys had to go because you could only restructure so much. You can only extend so much. So, to me, that's what I'm waiting for with this. It's going to be a post-June 1st designation because the cap situation is a mess, as you might imagine. But let me pose it this way to you. So the Amari Cooper situation, it basically one year, $20 million fully guaranteed. That locks in like March 20th for his contract. With this one, it's basically one year, $15 million guaranteed. So do you like a, a, an Amari Cooper one for 20 or a Michael Thomas one for 15? Where do you stand with that? F- I would lean on the fit, I guess. Um, I mean, they're pretty different players in a lot of ways. I guess whatever the team needs in terms of talent, I think both are immensely talented. Um, I know we're what two years removed now from the Michael Thomas elite season, but um, yeah. Yeah. in, In Cooper's, I mean, a lot of people have a negative perception of him, but he has been a pretty productive, um, you know, top end wide receiver for, a number of years now. So I, I think there is maybe some untapped potential there still that um, if he, if he was like really the alpha in a, in a high end offense, um, I, I mean, not to discredit Dallas or anything. No, but, I agree with that completely. I think he needs a little bit more freedom. I think that's right, Dan. Yeah. So maybe that's like a Stefan Diggs factor where like yep. once you really get unleashed, we, we see the upside there, but um, yeah, no, no issues with that one. All right. All right. Um, you know, maybe somebody comes in late with a mid-round pick with a fifth or a sixth because they realize that, you know, this guy's going to walk and then it'll be a bidding war for basically a minimum contract to bring him back because he'll have offsets and things like that. So, um, you know, a team that could really use like the Jets or the Bears may, may throw a late-round pick to get him out of there. But I do think they'll wait on the Saints with this one. All right. Back to quarterbacks, pay the bills. The Las Vegas Raiders with Josh McDaniels now fall in love with Derek Carr immediately and extend him four years, $150 million, including 90 million guaranteed at signing. Basically a cap adjusted version of the same contract he's been in for the last four years. Thoughts? Gut reaction is it feels a little crazy, but I think we're all just worn out from the Derek Carr Vegas Raiders match. Um, 
for the last couple of years now, it's wanting more, but not really getting it. Um, but I don't necessarily hate this as an idea. I do think that they're, I, I would, I would assume they keep their options open, but this is a nice fallback if they don't feel like they can, they can upgrade at that position. Let elsewhere. me ask you this, Dan, because this came up last year and I, I bet it does soon as well. If, if Russell Wilson makes himself available again and the Raiders are on the list again, is that what Josh McDaniels and crew are thinking about? Or, or are they, you think, set with Carr for 2022? That's a great question. Um, I mean, if we're, we're just talking one for one in a vacuum, I, I still think Russell Wilson is the better quarterback than, than Derek Carr. And maybe they just want a, a fresh start. They don't want any of the, you know, we see. Right. And that's such a GMs want their guy. Seen so much coach turnover, so much GM turnover here. That it's not uncommon for these guys to come in and say, all right, I, I got to kind of clean house a little bit and start fresh so that I, I know exactly, you know, every element of every move that's been made. And that's a lot of the options I have here on these predictions, Dan, are I just don't think that the new regime cares about, you know, what's happening right now. They want to, they want a lot of turnover. They want more control over the situation. That, that very well could be what Josh McDaniels thinks about when he sits down at, at his office in Las Vegas and says, all right, do I want to see what Derek Carr can give me for one year and then have to make a huge decision on him? Or would I rather just rip this bandit off right now, bring in somebody fresh that's aligned with me, and we go from there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, actually, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you if you think they need to extend him now or if they can slow roll it and see what he has this year. But, I mean, you have to assume he he took that job in part because there's at least something yeah. at quarterback, right? They're not starting from like the basement, if you will. I mean, I, yeah, Derek Carr, not and the there greatest were reports guy. that maybe they tried to acquire him in new England, by the way, once, oh, the, once the Brady stuff was, was kind of dwindling down. Yeah. So I do think there's interest in Derek Carr, but you know, you get there, things change. Um, and certainly I guess he's a franchise tag candidate next year. If you don't extend him, obviously, but, I do think that there'll be some remnants of this. I, I have to, I think if, let me put it this way. If Rich Bishasia came back and Mike Mayak was still the GM, I think Derek Carr would already have a new contract right now. I think that stability would have, would have been favoring Derek Carr quite a bit. There's just a little bit of instability now because there's a new regime. But I, I do think Carr's done enough to warrant a few more years on that roster as the guy even if Russell Wilson is an option. Look, Russell's, Russell's got some things to prove here. I mean, he's really had a rough year and a half in terms of consistency and things like that. So uh, I'm not saying Carr's a better quarterback overall, but I think he's, he's worthy of being in that conversation right now, at least for the next couple of years, guaranteed. All right, you ready? Here comes a bombshell. Speaking of new regimes, speaking of players that I think maybe the current regime doesn't want to have to deal with from a financial standpoint... I'm just going to put this out there before I give the team. Do you think Christian McCaffrey has traded this option? I, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's, I I don't think it's like on the top of their priority list, but yeah, we could, we could see a a bit of a reset in Carolina as well. Okay. I, I do think it's time for him to move. And the contract's not great in terms of that. There's, you know, a full guarantee this year. There's going to be some guarantee next year, but it's nothing crazy daunting. It's like, it's going to be like 8 million chain and change to bring him on this year, cash and cap, which is higher for a running back. But, you know, if you, 
restructure if you, if you know what you have over the next couple of seasons and he's got a specific role, I think he's certainly a perfect fit if you can keep him healthy. I've got two teams on this list. The one that I've actually dictated this move for are the Buffalo Bills. And I'm not sure that's immediately where your head is, especially with Devin Singletary taking a big step forward this past you know postseason and such. But the trade I have, Dan, is Christian McCaffrey for Cole, Ble- Cole Beasley, a third and a fifth. Uh, it's a lot of compensation. The reason I threw Beasley in this list is, A, I believe the Bills will, will move on anyway. And, and B, I'm bringing in Christian McCaffrey to be a quasi-slot receiver because I think that's actually where his career is headed, no matter where he is, even if he stays in Carolina. I, I do think that's how you keep him healthy. I think it's where he's got the most value right now is you keep him outside of the tackles, away from those big defensive tackles, and you let him go and cook in the middle of the field a little bit and hopefully be a little bit safer in that regard and catch 75, 80 balls and certainly get some goal line work as well. Buffalo can certainly use this. This is an upgrade position for them, both out of the backfield as a running back and in terms of that maybe third or fourth receiver. So I, I think he's well utilized in that regard. Is it, is it a weird fit, though? I actually like the fit a lot, Mike. Um, I mean, we're homers, Bills fans here, but we have we were close to it all year. And yeah. they seemingly switched their running back rotation and strategy almost every single game where Matt Breida started the season. Not Sorry, I don't want to compare Matt Breida and Christian No, McCaffrey, I know exactly where you're going. Keep going with this. Yeah, but they... they they he, couldn't he was find, that, they couldn't the find that gimmick. They couldn't consistently find. They tried McKenzie. They tried Matt Breida. They tried Beasley at times. They they couldn't figure out how to use players in different creative ways that could be consistent. Right? They they don't have that weapon, and th- this guy's that weapon <laughs> for sure. And even going back to the draft, um, a lot of people thought Travis Etienne would be a fit with the Bills based on what they needed right. in their backfield and that kind of player. Now he didn't he didn't last that long to get to them, so we'll never know, but. It seems like, yeah, Stephen Singletary took a, a step forward, but he does have limitations, which we've all seen. So um, if, for them to try and upgrade there with a more dynamic pass catcher specifically wouldn't surprise me. I will say, as a Bills fan, I, I'm still very curious to see what this offense looks like next year um, with a new offensive coordinator. Now, I, I know it's Ken Dorsey. He'll have probably a lot of similarities to Brian Dable, but they're there has to be some different vision there. I would assume maybe, maybe that's maybe this is the exact kind of player he wants there. So yeah, I actually, I actually like the fit quite a bit, Mike. I I'm not sure about the compensation, um, but I actually can't poke holes in it. Cause I wouldn't even know where to start because the money for a running back where the Panthers are, right. I think there's a lot of factors there that might, the, the, the compensation might shock a lot of people up front, but it is a, essentially a third and a fifth round pick um, plus a throw in Beasley. Um, is that enough? It probably is. It just seems yeah. a little shocking at face value. And obviously I'm going foundational here. So the reason I throw the third in is that's generally where, where teams are getting their next running back, right? If you have to make that a second because there's a bidding war, then you do it. But what I'm basically saying here is Carolina, go draft your next running back with whatever we give you here. And oh, by the way, you need a slot receiver too. Here's Cole Beasley for one year, 6 million, not that big of a deal. Um, so I, I do think there's a little bit of logic on their side as well. To me, the, the Bills are 1A, the Dolphins are 1B for this conversation. And they became even more prevalent for McCaffrey when they hired Mike McDaniel, who 
has essentially been the mastermind with this San Francisco situation and the gimmicks and the Debo Samuel type of stuff. I mean, you talk about a guy who may love a weapon like McCaffrey, it's that right there. So, and not to mention Miami is maybe the most running back needy team in the NFL right now. So uh, a lot of signs point towards that as well, uh, which means there may be two teams vying for his services this offseason. You never know. Um, the bills can go in a lot of directions here, Dan, with how to fill that gap. Obviously the draft will be one of them, but you know, I've got a guy here next who I think could be slotted for the bills. I didn't even mention, um, an offer sheet for Deontay Harris out of New Orleans. Speaking of cap situations, I'm not sure New Orleans can, can, can tender him at a second rounder without an offer sheet coming in. There's a guy who could be a slot receiver, a gimmicky running back, a returner, all that stuff. So there's options for these teams who need maybe one weapon to fill in some blanks. Uh, it's just a matter of who falls where. Speaking of which, Kelvin Ridley's next on this list. You're going to hear this name quite a lot because of the unknown, because of the, the fifth-year option, which is only $11 million, by the way. Um, I mean, you know where I have have him going here in this prediction, but what team do you think makes the most sense for Kelvin Ridley? Oh, geez. Um, do you like the one that I picked? I picked Baltimore in a very similar yeah. trade that I just proposed for McCaffrey. Kelvin Ridley to Baltimore for Marcus Peters, a second and a fourth. I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, with <laughs> like, I, just where Ridley might feel comfortable if he wants to play. I, I mean, the fit is fine. I have no, no issues. I think that's, you know, we, we hear about Lamar, the runner, but I, I think there is yeah. some legitimacy to, you know, that, that offense is, is pretty solid in a lot of ways. And you could maybe see a little bit more of a ceiling from the passing game there. So if you add R- Ridley to, to Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, I, th- I think that's a really good core to work around. So yeah, I, I like the fit itself. Um, I, I wouldn't even know where to suggest, but that, that makes sense to me for sure. Yeah. I, I also think a team that's really, you know, uh, down low that needs to make a step forward, like Jacksonville could go big on Ridley and try to make him their legitimate WR one for the next two, three years and guaranteed money. Uh, you said it though. And, and I want to make sure that it's the, it's the leading conversation with Kelvin Ridley. We have no idea if he wants to play football anymore. Uh, I have no idea what the last year was all about. I'm, it's not my position to ask those kind of questions, but um, I, I, it would be a red flag for me trying to acquire him right now. I, I'd, want, I'd want some answers in terms of, you know, what's your level of interest? Um, is coming to a city like Baltimore an okay situation for you? There's, there's just a lot with this that we don't know, and maybe the teams don't know right now. So while he's probably the, the, at the top of a lot of trade lists, the unknowns maybe outweigh the uh, the positives at this point. So we'll see where that ends up. But there's, I bet you there's a half dozen teams with him on their list right now. No question about it. Uh, all right, ready? Defense. Speaking of Miami, the Minnesota Vikings acquired quarterback Xavier Howard from the Dolphins for two seconds. He needs a new contract. They were reluctant last year. There was a bit of a holdout. They kind of band-aided some cash forward for him. To me, it's all about where is Miami going? Is this new coaching staff going to subtract or add based on the rest of the division right now? I think there's a really good chance that they do push forward and try to get better, but I'm not sure paying Xavier Howard $22 million a year is the way to do that. Thoughts on this? I think it's a great trade, actually. I mean, the Vikings had one of the worst defenses in the right. league last year, so you know they're going to look to improve that. Now, whether it's with this type of player, but I mean, they've been shown willingness in the past to kind of throw money at defensive players trying to, to find a solution. So yeah, I, I like it for, for both sides. I, I, obviously 
the point remains, like you said, what, what direction do the dolphins want to go right now? But yeah. um, I, I would assume regardless, he's a guy that they, they should be shopping based on the contract. I think if they liked him enough, they would have paid him already. Miami. Um, you wouldn't have just band-aided last year and, and, and then done what you did this year. And I, I think he's probably my top trade candidate right now. If I had to put any of these names out there for real, I think Xavier Howard is going and San Fran's going to be listening and Kansas City is going to be listening and certainly Minnesota. So we'll see where that ends up. Back to the wide receivers, a free agent this time. There's some good ones. Chris Godwin, potentially Devonte Adams, although not really. Uh, Allen Robinson will not be franchise tagged again. It'll be too much for the Bears to take on. I don't think it's a good fit with Chicago. I think both sides want to part ways at this point. So he's going to walk. And he's had some very good years. He's had a couple of injuries that have really suppressed his production to the point of where now I actually think he's going to be good value with his free agent contract. And that's why I like him for Jacksonville. A return to Jacksonville for Allen Robinson, four years, $75 million around that mark. Um, you know, a, a ton of guarantees built into that to make sure that Jacksonville can get it done. But Trevor Lawrence needs a new toy. You got to start here. Obviously, ETN's coming back. Hopefully, James Robinson is still a factor on that offense. But they're lacking tight ends. They're lacking, you know, uh, consistent production from the wide receiver mark. I like a couple of their wide receivers right now, and I think they'll be there for a few more years. But you got to drop in. This is a Stefan Diggs type move. You got to drop in a veteran who knows what the hell's going on, who can actually help the quarterback, not so much just react to the quarterback. Yeah, I think. I do think the destination's a little bit bold, but, but that's I, I think that's mostly lingering from he, he was a Jaguar previously. Who knows how he felt about his time there? I know it was a different coach, different era, but um, whether he enjoyed it or wants to go back there, I'm not sure about. But I do like this. I, I, I do like your points. Um, Lawrence needs a, needs somebody to throw to there. Yep. I, I He's a veteran, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, Doug Peterson stuff's got to be attractive too, right? Yeah, right. It's got to be. I mean, that's a guy who deserves another job here. So I, I would think offensively speaking that this is an attractive spot now with Lawrence, with ETM, things like that. But you're right. There's going to be a couple of teams vying for his services. The number two team I have in this list for Robinson is Cleveland. Is that a better option in your opinion? Ugh. <laughs> no, I mean, from player, unless player, the player was extremely unhappy, left a bad taste in his mouth in Jacksonville. Then, I mean, I, I would think the situation evolving is better in Jacksonville right now. As, as hard as that is to say, I, I d- doesn't this feel like a Patriots move to you? Like okay. he's a, he's like a ta- high upside, talented receiver that they can seemingly get on sort of Underpay a pay from. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. That's right. So I don't know. It's that that's just one that I keep coming back to. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? I like it. It's (laughs) it's on record now. So when you're right, you'll be a genius. All right. Last one is a is a multiple cap casualty move. And it's not the Saints. I'm I'm leaving them alone because I've been picking on a lot here. I'm going I'm going to Kansas City and not that Kansas City is really in cap hell. I mean, they can restructure Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes. They can extend Tyreek Hill, which I think they'll do anyway. And they can really kind of free themselves up of, you know, two, three million of space right now. But I, I just think there's defensive moves to be made from a football standpoint, too. Certainly Anthony Hitchens. You know, his replacement was already on the roster and Nick Bolton. So they're going to free up $12 million there. But the big one is Frank Clark, who, who is productive, who does get to the quarterback, who does have the ability to change some games on the edge. Um, these kind of guys have been getting to the free agency more and more. You know, the Clownies, the, 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 the Ingrams. 
they're just we're seeing more of these guys get there, especially as they get up there in age, Dan, because I, I don't know if there's a, a pullback on paying these guys 20 million plus on average, or there's just a threshold, an age threshold. Their teams are saying enough is enough. We want to start back over in the draft with this kind of guy, which I think Kansas City will do. Is this where your your head is, or is do you think they're about retaining as much as possible because their window is still very, very active here? Well, we, we see it with these perennial contenders that at some point the cap catches up with them. Right. So I I think the chiefs know who they are and they want to win on, you know, by being an offensive powerhouse. So if they need to sort of reset on defense and allocate some of those funds towards getting a a high end receiver in there, I I think that, I mean, I I think that their priority is getting at least one receiver in there um, over retaining some of these defensive guys, but so That's do you just, think they're in the Calvin Ridley conversation and possibly the Michael Thomas conversation? I, I mean, I think they're in on any receiver who who is available, uh, free agent or or trades. I mean, uh, I mean, you you have to assume uh, maybe they don't want Juju back based on what happened last year. But I, if if he's out there, there's just so many names out there that could be yeah. um, solid depth wide receivers that there's no. I, I just have a really hard time thinking they roll into next year with you know, a, a secondary receiver corpse of Byron Pringle and, you know, Demarcus Robinson and guys like that. So, um, I, I mean, we saw once we saw them struggle once, you know, Tyreek Hill had some injuries and yeah. there just was no depth there. And, uh, you know, Mahomes is incredible, but I think they will, I think they want bona fide playmakers on offense there. And they will, if, if anything, they might try and build on defense through free agency or at the cut deadline or, through the draft, something like that. Are they in a position where, where players will take less money or slash pay cuts just to stay on this roster? Do you think that's, that that's the type of organization this is right now? I think some players might be in that position, but I don't, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, the high end guys are going to want to sacrifice. So with Frank uh, Clark, if they offer him a pay cut, do you think he'd rather just go walk? Uh, without, tough, right? A, with, right. It, it is tough without assuming player motivations. I mean, I NFL careers, as we've talked about are so short. I I feel like players in, in football are rarely looking to leave money on the table. So I I would say he walks if, if that's the, you know, if he thinks he can still get paid at an elite level for a few more years, then I think, you know, he, they've had success. He's won a super bowl, et cetera. I don't, I don't think he would chase the money, but, or I think he would chase, go after the money instead. All right. There's 10. Give me the one you you think is the most likely to happen. Um, good question. Well, um, I I mean, honestly, I think the the Rogers Pack or Broncos stuff. I I don't know if they'll be able to squeeze both of those guys in there, but. Right. Um, I, I do sort of like that. I, I, I'm pretty confident in your Michael Thomas stuff. That is, okay. that's going to come to a head there. I mean, he's, he's obviously, I don't want to say obviously cause things can happen, but he is most likely not playing another down for that team. No, so how, especially how the quarterback he situation, he's going to want to go too. that. That's the other yeah. side of it, you know? Exactly. So how that happens, but um, I do, I do like that one quite a bit for you, but regardless, I, I think every is, am I wrong on this? Is everything not held up by the Rogers situation? I mean, the court, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, all of that is going to fall into place after Rogers and or Adams 
settles where they're going, right? Do you think there are, I guess this is crazy. Do you think there are four teams asking about Aaron Rodgers right now? Um, for, let, let, all right, let me ask you. Let me ask you one by one because I've got some names for you. Do you think San Francisco is asking? Man, gut reaction, no. Indy, no. Tennessee, <laughs> I'll go fifty-fifty on that. Okay. I mean, I could see, I could see them inquiring. I, I. I I know there's been a little bit of smoke there. I, didn't he recently move there or something like that? I bought a house. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, whatever. Like one, of, one of ten. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know on that one. Tampa. Uh, that's one I haven't really heard about. Um, I mean, I guess I just have this like group of teams in my head, and I and I'm struggling right. to get away from them. Right. But, but a, yeah, but there's honestly a lot. Carolina right. could be in. New Orleans right. could be in. The and Raiders you actually, could be you in. Haven't, I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Washington, yeah. the, you know, there's... It, it's quite a lot. It's quite a lot. So I'm not concerned if I'm... Like, like if I'm one of those teams, if I'm Pittsburgh and I, I have no interest in Aaron Rodgers at 100, you know, at 45 million over the next three years because that's just not the franchise that we are. I, I have no problem getting Garoppolo tomorrow. No, no problem. If that's the re- the way we're going to go, or if it's going to be, uh, I don't even know what a plan B would be for there. You know, I don't think it's Kirk Cousins, but it could be Kirk Cousins. I, I just think there are, there are tiers of interest with a Russell Wilson with an Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, I'm purposely not including Deshaun Watson because I don't think it's right to at this point. He is, he is not even an NFL player right now until the NFL says you're allowed back to play. So uh, he's not in these conversations for me. And Russell's not there yet either until he comes forward and says. It's time to do this. So Rogers is, and Rogers to me is a is a betting favorite to be moved out of Green Bay right now. And the pipeline says Denver because we've seen teams do this before. T- teams have prepared for players like this, and I believe that's what's happened in Denver. They have they have roster builded themselves into a situation that is ready for a veteran quarterback. You know, is Plan B? I don't know. Derek Carr, possibly. I guess possibly, but somebody's going to Denver, in my opinion. Judelock will not be the week one starter there. Um, to me, the, the one that stands out the most, Dan, is Xavier Howard. He's going to go. He's going somewhere. So uh, whether it's one of those teams that I mentioned or, or, or a sleeper who thinks they're a secondary away, um, I think Kansas City, uh, Minnesota, San Francisco get really involved for a player like that right out of the gate and then have to pay him some pretty good money. So. Yeah, I like all three. I like all three of those. We've yeah, seems like it's, that's where we are. All right, look, we're about a month away. We'll have plenty more conversations, some positional stuff. You're going to be on t- on board a little bit more uh, consistently, frequently here. So we'll have more conversations. Hopefully, not as opinionated as this, but um, every so often it's good to do this kind of stuff. And uh, I can't let you leave without some betting talk. I know you haven't done too much homework yet, but where are you going this weekend with the Super Bowl, man? Oh, I Gatorade. By the way, I'm talking Gatorade here. Oh, no, I'm course. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I actually am. I, I'm probably just going to throw some darts on some, some player prop stuff. Okay. Um, I, I, I know the rhetoric is like the Bengals will probably keep it close, but would it really shock anyone if this is like a two, two score game by, you know, by halftime? I, I, no, I'm not I think, saying it will be. I, actually I think I just, the, the, the narrative Dan is that it will be, but then Burrow will climb back. 
Maybe not yeah. close enough, but I think the narrative is that the Rams will jump out. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'll probably just, you know, throw a couple Hail, Hail Marys on some on some players. I know you generally stuff, steer under with most of your things. Is that how you feel about this game as well? I think the Super Bowl is a prime picking for unders, quite honestly. Sure. Yeah, I, with so much money, um, I don't want to call it dead money, but um, unusual bets and stuff coming in i think some of the you know who who wants to sit there all night and root for root for under so (laughs) a lot of people i think some of those player prop uh numbers get inflated quite a bit so i think it's prime picking to to try and grab some of the unders so good stuff man we'll talk soon have a good weekend all right thanks you too all right we'll finish off this show with some super bowl discussions but not so much you know actual game stuff i'm not going to break down the rams defensive line and the bengals offensive line there'll certainly be time for that and plenty of other shows for that Um, i'm going to steer in two directions a i want to talk about some of these guys that you're going to see sunday on the field that could be getting some coin in the next couple of weeks months because of either an expiring contract or a need for an extension on their current contracts and things like that there's actually quite a few i mean it is a uh, it's a pretty potent list of players that should if they're staying, get re-upped or could do well in the open market. And look, when you're playing in a Super Bowl and then you go to free agency, there's generally good news for you. That's uh, just the nature of sports, really. So I'll start with Cincy. A couple of names here. Jesse Bates is the big one, the free safety. We've talked about him before on the show. Um, certainly with the offseason stuff, he has been all over the Bengals in terms of the franchise tag and then some sort of extension. That tag's about $13 million, which is a steal. You know, If you can get him to sign that and stick around for one more year, and then see what you have. That's probably the dream scenario for the Cincinnati Bengals. But look, <laughs> um, Jamal Adams just went $72 million with the Seattle Seahawks. Bates is a more productive player, a different style safety, but a more productive player if you're looking at the numbers. Um, it's going to have to be more than 60 a year for four years in my opinion, you're going to have to go to that 16, $17 million per year mark to, to keep him. And by the way, ton of rookies on the offensive side of the ball. You did pay an edge rusher in Henderson, but not top of the market money. You know, you could give, you could stand to give away a top market contract, especially to a player who's going to have to stop the passing game, which Jesse, Jesse Bates has done for you. So I think they're going big on this contract. I think there, there is a franchise tag as a placeholder. They figured out the free agent process a little bit and understand where they are cap-wise to understand how to be able to structure Bates' contract. And then they, they get it done. I think you're going, you know, 16, 16 and a half million a year over four years for Jesse Bates on this extension. But that to me seems like a no-brainer. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay offensive. CJ Uzoma, the tight end. I'm not sure on this one. This would be the third contract they give him. Obviously, the injury right now is lingering. I'm, I, that means nothing to me when you talk about the grand scheme of things. You know, the Patriots just kind of shot people in the foot with two $12.5 million contracts for tight ends, one of which now has almost no production in Jonu Smith. So that's the number that most of these, these second-tier tight ends are going to be looking for. You know, your Kittles and your, and your Andrews and your Kelseys are up in the 15-16 mark. So tier two is now $12, 13000000 million a year. And he's got the production to get to that kind of point. Now, to stay, I think you have to be more in the 9, 10, 11 mark to stay on this roster with the weapons that they're going to have to pay over the next two to three years. 
around him. But if he's the highest paid weapon on your roster, which for all intents he would be, but you know, with Tyler Boyd's kind of sitting there with him, I'm not going 13 million a year to keep him. I'm going to the I'm going to the open market. I'll pay Zach Ertz 11 as a placeholder. I'll find you know Kyle Rudolph on the waiver wires and see what happens there for a year. Um, I believe that Burrow can probably make guys better, even especially veterans who know what the hell they're doing out there. Max Williams is going to walk probably. Uh, Gerald Everett off the Rams. There's there's some uh, a decent amount of players. Seattle, by the way, on, on Gerald Everett. Uh, you're going to have some names out there to be picking from. So I wouldn't go in, into a bidding war with this guy up to the $13 million mark, even though that's probably where the foundational process says he should be. Um, all right, staying offensive, but going Rams. Odell Beckham Jr. is the big one. And it's a weird situation because the fit seems great. I mean, he and, and Stafford and he and Cup seem to have a really good spatial presence right now in terms of how this thing is ticking. He has picked up on this offense, or at least they have produced uh, a set of routes for him that just click. They just click. And we'll see if that can continue in the Super Bowl. But I'm not sure that you're going to see Odell Beckham Jr. take wide receiver three money to stick on this roster because the, the fact of the matter is Robert Woods is guaranteed through next year and then some. Cups, not guaranteed. He's got two years left. He may, he may need a redo. You may have to go $22 million a year on Cooper Cup along with Stefan Diggs, right? Those, those contracts seem to be kind of simultaneous for me. So knowing what you're going to have to do, you've already paid Tyler Higby the tight end. Uh, you're, you're certainly cheap in the, in the running back situation for a couple more years, but you're going you're to need Beckham to play ball to come back on, I don't know, eight, when he could probably go out and find 12, maybe even 14 from some teams, you know, the Jets, the Raiders, something like that, Jacksonville. Um, I think there'll be bigger offers wherever he looks if he hits the open market. But if he thinks like we think, which is this is a really good fit, and, you know, whether they win or not may dictate his decision, can you come back for eight? Can you come back for three for 27 and and deal with a, a little more guarantees, maybe a ton of incentives built into it like he has now in his current contract? And, you know, hope that the production, that the fit continues to work and that your contenders with a really good set of weapons around you. So he's, he's really interesting based on how, what we've seen over the past six weeks. Um, there's a couple of offensive linemen on each side of the ball. Austin Corbett switched the guard from center. It seems like that's a better fit. I think he walks. Um, I don't think that's a situation the Rams want to overpay for when they can draft behind him a little bit in the mid-browns. Their punter, excuse me, their place kicker's up. He's been spotty over the past couple of weeks, and Matt Gay. And then Vaughn Miller, similar situation to Beckham Jr. They gave up a second and a third to bring him in. I would imagine they do resign Vaughn Miller, and it'll look something like J.J. Watt's contract, which was about two for 28, uh, a year and a half fully guaranteed, some void years to make the cap situation work out. I think that's probably about right for many of these kind of uh, on the backside superstars. That's probably what the going rate is. And by the way, that's, you know, that's probably what I'm proposing for Odell Beckham Jr. too, right? About two for 28, about 14 a year in terms of a max contract. Maybe it's 11 a year with incentives that get it to 14 a year in both cases. Um, but of the two, I think Miller is back more so than Beckham. And that's just a gut feeling. Big one too, cornerback, Darius Williams, who... He was way up there to start the year. I mean, this was a guy that was slam dunk, big extension or big free agent contract. To me, that slid down a little bit. 
Um, you know, he's more in the, I don't know, 12 to 13 range where, you know, it was 16, 17 rising towards 18 at one point. If he was going to be a CB1 somewhere else, that's still maybe the case. But, you know, he's a 12 to $13 million guy right now. Still probably too expensive knowing Jalen Ramsey costs $20 million next to him. So uh, probably a guy that walks into free agency as well. Other than that, you know, there's some defensive tackles that Cincinnati can deal with. BJ Hill was acquired from the Giants. You know, he'll be looking for $10 million a year. I'm not sure he can get that, even though he's played well, really well. And uh, Brian Allen, the center for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one because centers are now making $10 million plus. Frank Ragnow just re upped the $12 million with Detroit. It, do you want to screw with this thing right now? Do you, want to, do you want to screw too much with Matthew Stafford's situation knowing you have to pay him as well? Matthew Stafford's on one year, 20 and change for the 2022 season. Um, do, you, do you send him into an expiring contract next year after all you gave up and what you've now done getting to the Super Bowl in year one of his situation? Or do you push him out at what we have, $42 million a year for him? You know, do you go four for 160 and change to extend Matthew Stafford out four more years, knowing that this is going to be a window of contention. You got to keep him happy. You got to lock him in now and then slowly build the pieces around him to kind of keep this thing rolling. So Matthew Stafford's future is very much a, uh, it doesn't have to happen contractually speaking. They can, they can ride him into the last year of his contract next year, or they can push him out this year and see where things go. But some decent names to watch Sunday that could be walking away in less than a month. So something to keep an eye on for sure with these routers. All right. And finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a few picks of my own for this Sunday. I, we talked with cousin Dan a little bit about where his head is. And I, I know just from my experiences with them, he generally does feel the unders hit well in these big games. They're drawn out games. They take forever. There's tons more breaks. You know, halftime takes forever. There's just a lot of times you can get complacent versus keeping that, that intensity up, keeping, you know, Joe Burrow is maybe built all on, you know, adrenaline and self-motivation and things like that. It gets really hard to do in a game like that, which is so much different from any other game he's been in. Um, and you can say the, the national championship was somewhat like this. Maybe, maybe an SEC football certainly is a good moniker for this kind of stuff, but Super Bowl is just, it's an entertainment piece. It's a, it's a sporting event second to everything else that goes on around it. So I do, I do steer under with a lot of these picks. And I start with the running backs. I think Mixon and Akers, which are 62 and a half and 64 and a half rushing yards respectively, I think I'm hammering both those unders, guys. You know, I think there's a, there's a world where, running, where the running backs dominate this game, but it's not over 50% for me. I think these are two quarterbacks who, are going to, who have something to prove, and the offenses will be built accordingly. And whether or not those running backs have to be offset somewhat slightly remains to be seen. But I'm taking the honors on both of those to start. Um, and subsequently, I'm going, I'm going to the third receiver on both teams, Tyler Boyd and Van Jefferson. And I'm going overs <laughs> because, you know, if, def- if these defensive minds say, look, if these quarterbacks are going to go out there and try to throw all day on us, we got to take Cup away. We got to take Beckham away. We got to take Higgins away. We got to take Chase away, which should leave these third options to, to get some garbage eight, eight yard outs or 10 yard posts or, you know how this works. So I like the overs on Van Jefferson and Tyler Boyd quite a bit. So those would be four pretty slam dunk prop bets that I like quite a bit. 
Um, I'm not going crazy like defense scores the first touchdown. I'm not doing any of that. Um, you know, you can get funny with the MVPs if you want, but I put in a tweet out yesterday. It, it's like a 92% chance that one of the quarterbacks wins. So if you want to take put money down on any non-quarterback, I'm with you there. That seems like, you know, you're not going to get the odds that you would on betting Aaron Donald outright. But if you want to take the non-quarterback, I can't, I can't talk you off that cliff for sure. Um, here's one I absolutely love. I saw it a couple of days ago. and I thought, man, if I could do this one for each team, I would do it. Cooper Cup scores a touchdown and the Bengals win. Jamar Chase scores a touchdown and the Rams win. So the thinking here is, of course, as anyone who bats or plays fantasy knows, all right, if since he's up, if they're winning, Rams are going to be throwing, all right? And subsequently, if the Rams are up, Joe Burrow is going to be putting that, that game on his back, and he's going to be looking for his, his one-on-one situations with Jamar Chase. So I love going opposite there with the notion that, you know, maybe one team runs it up the first half. Let's say the Rams go up 14, 15 points like Dan just laid out for us, and then Burrow has to try to drive him back. Well, he ain't going through Joe Mixon to do that, okay? He's looking for his guys, and singularly his one guy, maybe the best player on the field in Jamar Chase. So I love going counter with that in terms of those parlays. Cooper Cup scores, but the Bengals win. And you're going to get plus odds on this because it's a parlay versus the Rams win and Jamar Chase scores. So those are the ones I'd be looking for, a little bit different out there than maybe even seeing otherwise. Um, But... I think Dan's right. Slamming the unders on a couple of these things makes a ton, a ton of sense in terms of safe betting this Sunday. 31-21 Rams. Don't take the points. That's my guess. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend. We will be back on Sunday evening, Monday morning with an all-NFL podcast, of course, because the NFL offseason is here. And... uh We'll be in full swing. That's kind of our Super Bowl, right? February and March when franchise tags and tenders and new rosters and cap casualties and new free agent contracts and extensions all become the forefront. And that's when Track gets crazy, crazy busy. So we'll certainly be here with plenty more of that stuff. Any questions, at Track on Twitter. And of course, visit theathletic.com slash Track for plenty of these articles that I referenced in all these podcasts and get 40% off your first year subscription today for Scott Allen and Cousin Dan. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.